0: I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is The Stories We Tell. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jamie Messina, and how the hell is it already April? I have no idea, but guess what? Still bringing you awesome episodes, uh, inspiring episodes here on the stories we tell, and uh, today is no different. We have with us today Sandy Strader. She is a mental health counselor, life coach, uh, breast cancer survivor, as well as just this freaking badass woman um, that I had the pleasure to meet on our trip to... Uh, Mexico no wait we didn't go to Mexico Costa Rica we're going to Mexico next time by the way we're going to Tulum if you want in make sure to uh hit me up or I'll I'll tell more about that later but I got to meet Sandy in Costa Rica and we got to spend some time together and what a beautiful fucking human um sorry for the f clearly I'm already I'm already in it but um today's episode was awesome Uh, It was really awesome hearing her journey, her story, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go ahead and do that. And if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that we share, uh, I would really appreciate if you go over and leave us a five-star review. That's going to help me reach my goal of rippling out to at least a million people. And um, yeah, so today's episode, Sandy Strader, I'm just going to get right to it. Stop my talking so we can hear from her. All right, y'all. I have here with me Sandy Strader, who, um, well, I, I had the opportunity to spend time with Sandy in um, Costa Rica recently for our, Lily's trip and uh, just really enjoyed your company and spending my time with you and also um, some of the things that you talked about and your insight on things. And so can you just tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: all right um who am i that's a good one that's a that's a good one uh i am a latent lifer in most areas i am uh i live in brooklyn i am the parent of an awesome almost 14 year old young man that i i i see raising A young man is such a privilege and um, I take it very seriously. It's my um, happiest thing that I do. I'm making a difference in in the life of a man. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that can be very impactful and important in this world. And I'm the mom of a golden doodle named Frankie.
0: Love everything about the golden doodles. Well, everything you said, but also golden doodles. And did you know my, like one of my cats, two cats ago was named Frankie?
1: Oh, how cool. <laughs> and oh. where did Frankie come from with that name?
0: Uh Frank Sinatra. So he was a white cat with blue eyes. And my mom would call him Frankie old blue eyes. And so <laughs> and all my cats have like a name that is like music oriented. So <laughs> it was cute.
1: Yeah, I like that. I had a I had two cats in my life and they were both named after female raspy voice singers. Um one was named after Janice Joplin. You're yeah. Pearl was her name. And she was the color of a pearl. And uh, Macy for Macy Gray. She was a gray cat.
0: Love that. Um, tell, tell us what you do for a profession.
1: I am a mental health coach full time. I work as an employee benefit for some of the tech companies, etc. cetera. And um, I have a private practice as well.
0: Awesome. All right. So I wanted them to hear that part too, just because all of those things together are what are gonna make this conversation. So you said late in life are for most things. So not just, you know, late in life, however you identify, but what else? And how do you identify lesbian?
1: I do identify as lesbian. Um it took me a while to get there. I went through a um, I think a, the the baby step was recognizing that I was bi. And that was never a really big coming out thing. It was just, um, I think for most of my life, it was easier to date men. And, but I liked women. And then um, I think when I, I, I got more clear about that. And later in life through my own journey, work processing, you know, um, using psychedelic therapies to really get to know myself, get out of my old Ingrained, deep ingrained pathways and figure out who I am. Uh, I was also diagnosed with um, stage three breast cancer at the age of 42. And my son was six at the time. And that had a big impact on uh, the sense of urgency to figure out who I am. What am I doing? Why is it that I, every nice guy I date, why is it that I'm everywhere I go, there I am. I, I recognize that I was the problem.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh so I had to get clear around that and then eliminated men out of the equation. And my life is okay
0: <laughs> Oh, and, and your life just turned around, just get rid of the guys. It's that simple. Um so many things that you just said I want to touch on. So I'm like trying to get a pen to make notes because definitely want to talk about psychedelics. Um Yeah, now I lost it. (laughs) Let's (laughs) talk about psychedelics. But so, oh, and and obviously the the breast cancer thing. And um, -hmm. you know, I I was just talking to you before we started pressing record. I'm like, man, I'm 40. I'm gonna be 41 in like a couple months. I'm so tired. And did this happen to you? And uh, I think there's a sense of urgency just being 40, let alone having something like that. Um, how did that all transpire? How did that come about? And You know, it came
1: about after four years of a very stressful life period um, uh, dealing with the co-parent situation um, for my son, and it was family courts, and it was a financial demise, and it was high stress, and I was staying in a cortisol flood for four years. And one week after finalizing that legal battle... One week that finalized it on a Thursday and uh, diagnosed one week later on a Thursday. So I'm, you know, I don't recommend allowing external forces to control your cortisol. And that's what I had to, I think that was my big takeaway is when my oncologist said, All right, no more cortisol. And I was like, How the hell am I supposed to live if I can't be? you know, jacked up about stuff. So <laughs> I had to uh, really go inward and try to figure out how to tolerate life and live life and not feel like my brain was on fire. My body was on fire. And I started it with an, a mantra of I'm in control of my cortisol. And, and it, I just took it from there and I am in control of my cortisol. Now, if someone, f- you know, uh, cuts me off in traffic or runs me off the road. I used to just take it so personally and, you know, get sweaty and angry. And now I'm just move out of their way. They were a jerk before I got on the road. They're going to be a jerk after I get off the road. So I just let life keep lifing around me without taking it all so personally.
0: Yeah. You know um, I love, well, so when it comes to being stressed the one thing that I was, I grew up with an anxiety disorder. And so like, I was always stressed about everything. And my dad used to say, disease, that's going to cause disease. You're If you're not at right. disease, then you're going to have disease. And so do you think it just made it come about quicker? Or do you think that, you know, has a place a huge role in the fact that it was even present? Well,
1: what I think I'm hearing you say is, you know, there was definitely the anxiety disorder that I wasn't quite recognizing that caused me to get in the situation that I got myself into in the first place. That caused the um, me to sink my teeth into that legal battle, and um, and relentlessly, I wasn't um, I wasn't coming up. There was no balance in my life. I was just ticked off and. Mm-hmm. ready to rumble. And I think that exacerbated it all. I think you can have an anxiety disorder and as long as you're taking proper care of it and getting the balance that you need it, I don't think it's all going to turn into dis-ease right away. Right. But um, yeah, I think if you, if you stay in a, you know, a, um, I'm forgetting the word, but if you, um, if you are in a chronic stressful situation or allow yourself to be responding to a chronic stressful situation the way I was, um, your body doesn't have a chance to balance back out.
0: That's such a interesting thing. You know, a a lot of people listening, I'm sure we all have our shit, right? There might be some people in a stressful situation right now, whether that be a relationship that's toxic that they stay in because it's easier or the fear of the unknown or work environment or, you know, um, I think it's so important to just really pay attention to that part of our life. You know, we do gr- when you grew up, did your family ever say, were they interested in that stuff? Where they think that, you know, you know? <laughs> no. yeah,
1: no, they were more anxious than I was, right. I thought I was skating along, but, um, no, they, and my parents ended up with diseases as well um so yeah there were it was a very jacked up childhood very chronically stressful anxious emotionally disturbing childhood
0: mm. okay so a week after you're like yes this is over yay and then you get a week of peace and then boom here comes the doctor um where's your head at at that point victimized
1: mm-hmm. Kelly, I mean, I just was. Why me? Um, How is this happening to me? I'm a vegetarian. I practice yoga. I'm not overweight. Um, why me? And not someone else that isn't practicing yoga. and A lot <laughs> right. of victimized uh, mindset, and um, and then that you know, I realized that was on me to get out of that victimized mode. And I didn't do it alone. I had a, a big support group and certainly, um, an oncologic therapist that, um, was really beneficial at that
0: time as well. Mm. Therapy is like so freaking important, you know, um, feel that. So that's a big thing. How did you manage and get through that time in your life? Like, would you say, and would you say that was the most challenging time of your life thus far?
1: Mm. (laughs) Oh, it's up there it's up there the legal battle was not pretty uh my son got diagnosed with a couple learning uh, challenges after my diagnosis and i i think that hit me harder because it you know you feel responsible for your child want them to struggle. i always knew i could handle my struggles no matter how big they were uh, so i took that um that that kind of knocked me over too. um uh, what i say how did I get through it? Um, I immediately took an eight week course on mindful awareness Ooh. and tried to, to practice, uh, becoming, you know, someone who practices being in the present moment where my power lies. And I took the course for eight weeks. I didn't feel any better, uh, at the end of those eight weeks. So I thought it wasn't working for me and I signed up and took the course again. And then I got it. Then the light came on of the importance of it and that I wasn't supposed to be judging myself as either doing better or doing worse. The whole process, the whole, one of the main purposes is to be nonjudgmental in that space. So once I realized that I'm no better at mindful awareness today than I was when I started in 2015, 2016, um, Once I accepted that, that there was no place, there was no destination to get to, that this is, this is it. You're just practicing it. Uh, Once I stopped judging myself, I realized I really didn't need to take it the second, the second eight weeks. So,
0: but that's interesting. I think so many people would take it the first time, think it's not working and then just give up. What does something like pull you to to go again? What, What made you try the same course again? I knew I was still
1: struggling with the cortisol floods. You can feel it, right? You can feel, get sweaty, get angry, um, uh, allow emotions to get out in front of my cognition. Um, I like to think of it as the, you know, the, the horse is the cognitive and the, the emotions is the cart. And sometimes my cart would get before my horse and um, so I knew that I needed more practice in dropping into the present moment and into my breath. Um, I could tell because of, based on how I was sleeping, how I was feeling the catastrophizing thoughts about what if, and all of that good stuff.
0: So when did, uh, psychedelics come in and can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Okay. So they, I wouldn't say they were ever not there, um, but the, <laughs> the, the purpose for them, the use, um, you know, once I started learning about how, you know, neural pathways and how we can get out of them, one way is through mindful awareness, right? Being mindful or meditating, you can elevate out of those patterns of thought, uh, create new ones, create bridges over these old uh, slides down to catastrophizing, for example. Um, And once I I started uh, practicing it more and feeling better, I knew it was the way out. It wasn't going to, I'm sorry. I went back to the mindful awareness piece, but um, I wanted to do a deeper dive into my psyche. And I had read all those fabulous books by Michael Poland and um, trying to think who else, I mean, um, but the, how to change your mind, uh, your mind on plants and, And I saw what other countries were doing. And I was a big advocate for medical marijuana uh, in the state of Florida at the time, uh, because I didn't wanna finish the cancer battle and have an opioid addiction. So I did that opioid free. And that made me start studying plant medicine deeper. and, um, And I saw what can be done and is being done in other countries and now in ours um, that a little bit of psilocybin, for example, can, um, help with smoking cessation. And so these deep addictions that people have can be cured from getting out of their own way by the use of plant medicine. So I've, I'm a big advocate for the legalization of that as well.
0: Yeah. is I don't know, I'm not uh, familiar with the legalization of, I mean, I get it. The marijuana one, but is that on the table right now? Psilocybin, it is.
1: It's um. There's a few states already. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Utah, maybe New Jersey, um, Colorado uh, just came up. I think 21 and over wow. uh, for psilocybin. So it's it's slow. It's a slow process, but you know, like anything, people can abuse it if they want. Uh, just because people, when I say abuse it, I mean, nobody's ever died of psilocybin or or many of the psychedelics that come to mind uh, for me. So use it in a recreational um, area of their life versus medicinal. I, I think people can make their own decisions around that. I don't think that we need to outlaw all the good benefits for people who want to use it on their own personal journeys.
0: Right. Well, and that wouldn't make sense because then we could outlaw alcohol. That's right. <laughs> so crazy on that one. Yeah. I feel like it's like literally one of the worst drugs out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the most available. Um, so yeah, you mentioned, you know, you, you said, Oh, I went back to the mindfulness piece, but I feel like psilocybin, am I saying that right? Yeah. Would, um, yeah. And mindfulness kind of go hand in hand, would you say?
1: Yeah, I do think so. (laughs) I mean, you could certainly use it to go inward, right? Or you can use it to dance your butt off. It depends on what you're doing. But, uh, you know, doing it with um, taking it in a safe space with your eyes closed sends you on an inward journey that can be quite beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched um, The Magnet, wait, The Fantastic Fungi, is that what called? Have you seen that on Netflix? Yes, yes. I was in awe. I was like t- taken aback. I had already like been intrigued and then I saw this and I'm like, wow, mushrooms in particular or the fungi family are li- like a whole nother level. Right, beautiful. I almost, I almost feel like I, when I was watching, I was like, are, is this actually aliens living on Earth? you know they have a life of their own They do, yeah the whole like they're so and you would never know that like I don't remember learning that in science no
1: (laughs) no our uh, educational curriculum in this um, country is very challenged
0: yeah oh man okay so you have a lot going on like in your life is up until this point you went through a crazy ass custody battle um toxic type Shit, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my words, not yours, but mm-hmm. so. Uh, I
1: resonate with them. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and then a battle with breast cancer. Which tell us what happened there. Oh man. Um,
1: what happened there? So many different stages of that healing, mm-hmm. but I was in grad school to become a, a mental health counselor, and when I got diagnosed, so I switched my, um, educational plan. I stopped going to grad school and took a one-year international life coaching certification, which keeps me from being confined by state laws and, um, for a license, uh, for mental health counseling. So that was the silver lining that came out of it. Now I can, you know, I have clients from all over. I don't have to be, um, stay in one state. And so that works, especially now that I'm in New York. And what happened there? I did the, I had to have a, a double mastectomy. I did reconstruction. I think reconstruction was the most painful part of it all. Uh, that's about as fun as it sounds. Um, I say I have bionic breasts now because they, they really built them from the ground up. Um, and in hindsight, I wouldn't have done the reconstruction. You wouldn't have? I would not have. Now so, that I'm 50, I it's uncomfortable. I didn't have silicone breasts you know, when I got diagnosed. So having them now, they're as uncomfortable as they were the first day. And hmm. I I look forward to getting them out. They're actually cold. They're more cold. They're colder than the rest of my body, which weird. annoys me too. Yeah, it's weird, right?
0: I actually have a lot of uh, friends recently who have had their breast implants removed because it was making yeah. them
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that will be my next step. I just had to, I have to um, be ready for surgery again. Yeah. I have a little PTSD from all those surgeries.
0: I bet it's a lot, especially yeah. the anesthesia for sure. I was mm-hmm. a hot mess for me, but, but you're healthy now. Yes, I am.
1: I'm healthy and I'm, I'm more mentally healthy than I've ever been.
0: All right. Let's talk about that. So Late in life for a lot of things. I think you mean yes. your career. Yes. Um yep, switched careers. Some other things. Uh,
1: late in life. I you know, I've had my son later in life. I was 36. Oh
0: yeah. Um late in life Sandy. Is that what you that's what late I Late in
1: life Sandy. <laughs> that's what we t- we called it in Costa Rica, right? Yeah. Life Sandy, And I'm okay with it. It took me longer than most, but that's all right. I'm I'm here. I'm and and you know, the, the world is as I design
0: it, right. Yeah. As I create it. And I think part of that is it's all unfolding perfectly. You can create and I'm quoting, but like the universe has a plan. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Dolls in a dollhouse. Everyone thinks I'm weird when I, when I say that, I think, but I envisioned myself, my dad built this dollhouse when I was little, cause he was in the firehouse and they had a woodworking station and When I think about the way that the universe works, I picture myself with these little dolls, right? And say I go to bed and I leave all the dolls there and and the dolls all of a sudden come to life in the middle of the night and the doll in the attic is like, oh, but I want to go to the kitchen. It crawls this little doll butt down to the kitchen and uh, winds up there. And then I wake up and I come to my dollhouse and I'm like, huh, what are you doing here? Stick you right back up in the attic. (laughs) The universe will put you wherever it wants. Like we ourselves, I don't know how much control we have over that. We can take the long road. We can go around, but yeah.
1: I think I was meaning more around the lenses in which I see things. Like I can look around my apartment right now and I can either see, you know, what needs to be dusted, what I didn't put away, what still needs to be done tonight. Or I can look around and be like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that looks pretty good. You know, it just, I can, I can, I can view it as positive or negative. Not that I think is my choice
0: yeah or you can look at the poll or the space <laughs> yeah yeah really cool pole. um all right so tell us a little bit about well you found me the day I made club Louis, right yes and i can't remember
1: how so i don't even have the tiktok um app i don't think on my phone i think it somehow don't laugh at me but i'm not super into social media and um somehow it was it came in on instagram they must talk or play a video or something and i saw you in your excitement of hey come on over to this page i'm i'm starting a a group and i and i followed you and and just watched it um take off and it was really special to hear everyone telling their stories and i i said it that day and i still mean it it was like finding my tribe it was the only place where i've ever seen like-minded people gather they're not naysayers everybody's there to lift each other up and they're not condemning other people for their lifestyle choices and and there's some crazy stuff that gets said on there right <laughs> and nobody judges it I'm like this is awesome
0: yeah I think that's also the tone that we set for the group all of us at the beginning even the first people to join um because that was the thing nobody had anywhere to they felt like they didn't have a place to go on TikTok, mm-hmm. and, but there was a lot of them and I could see in my for you page. I'm like, let's just give this a try. Let's make a group for you. See what happens. I literally got COVID the next day. So I didn't get to like <laughs> check how many people. And then when I went back, there were like thousands of requests and I was, was freaking so out. Fun.
1: Holy shit. What just it was happened? so fun to watch it blow up. It was, um, and I think that I know for myself, it, you know, you live a life where you never really fit in to any box and, <laughs> all of a sudden you created this group where I fit right in. I was like, here it is. So late in life. But again, I found my people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've got people. And that's ultimately what it's like transforming into. I feel like the late in life thing, it, you know, people think it's so important when they join the, the lesbians, aren't going to like me. I'm late in life. Or mm-hmm. um, I don't know anything. I'm later in life or no, you know, a lot, I heard that a lot in the beginning. And you know, they wanted a playbook or something. I'm like, there's no playbook. Like, it doesn't matter if you come out when you're 18 or 38, 48, 58. We all have the same experience. And we kind of have to just learn it for ourselves. But it's great to have other people there, you know, other people that you can connect with that are also experiencing that. Um so also, by the way, super grateful for the universe as well and who it brought to the group because then I get to connect with these people that like yourself. And that leads me down these other paths and just, it's crazy. Like six months ago is completely different than today.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It reminds me, we're talking about us all looking for our place, you know, and you're like, let's just try it. It was that fuck it up and figure it out piece yeah. that you like to say, right?
0: Yeah. And we did fuck it up and figure it out quite a few times over- <laughs> And we will do that some more. Um, good. So you, you, um, you're in like probably the best spot in your life right now, like the way that you feel and way that you show up in the world. What would you say to somebody who's just in a spot of t- turmoil for them, or disruption, or late in life and not yet feeling good about that within themselves? Do you have any advice to give them?
1: Hmm. Good question. You know, I think it self. Is so important. If you know they they can't expect none of us can expect others to love us more than we love ourselves. And acceptance, who you are, finding some self love. I would think is the foundation for any journey they're about 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 to embark on. Right. Self-compassion. How do you speak to yourself when no one else can hear? What's the voice say to you when you forgot your keys three times in a row? Um, You messed something up, you hurt someone's feelings. How do you speak to yourself when you make a mistake? How do you recover from that? I think that's important for sustainable, um, you know, to, to make the journey more enjoyable and sustainable, is having your own back, loving yourself, speak kindly to yourself and others will either love you and be kind to you or they won't. And that's hopefully all you need in order to figure out who your tribe is.
0: Yeah. And if you have that self-love, it doesn't really matter if they don't because you're like, well, you're not my person. So that's okay. That's right.
1: But I think we judge ourselves so much and it could be, it could be from, you know, be um, identifying differently than the standard box of straight. Mm -hmm. It could be whatever it is, because as you know, we didn't sign up for it. Right. In my case, I kept pushing it away, pushing it away, looking for an easier solution. But I think if they're, if they're loving themselves,
0: the sky's the limit. Frankie, come on, baby. Yeah. We must've done something because Benny just came out too. <laughs> they feel us. <laughs> talking. That's um, it. Do you have any suggestions? So for self-love for beginners, this is the first time they're hearing cool. or, you know, they're listening to this podcast and they're like, well, I'd love to do that, but I don't know. What's one thing they can do today that can just push the needle a little bit forward in that direction.
1: How about start off by writing a list of 10 things you really like about yourself Mm. is it your smile your hair color are you nice to other people um you know try to identify on purpose the things that you like about yourself and then you know when it comes to self-compassion the moment you hear yourself shame blame damn yourself for anything pause and rephrase it and it only takes about a week week and a half if you do it every single time you will stop that habit of second guessing yourself beating yourself up and what that looks like I think is you know you you're unhappy with yourself um having a bad day don't like how you showed up um in a conversation um well you could sit there and chew on that, or you can say what did go right in the conversation. And then I like to put my hand on my, on my, like, I'm going to hug myself. And I pat myself on the shoulder when I, you know, when I need to turn my frown upside down kind of thing. And I just say, you know, wow, you're having a busy week. You forgot your keys three days in a row. I got you. And I speak positively to myself and gone are the days that I, shamed myself for something silly or made a mistake, dropped something, broke something. I respond now with a fact, which was, well, that just happened (laughs) versus, oh, I'm such an idiot or butterfingers. You know, I have my own back first and foremost. I like my company because I have my own back. So I would highly recommend being kind to yourself and you'll really like hanging out with yourself. And then other people are just
0: extra you sparked a thought for me just now. Um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to or work with at the beginning stages, and even this is how I was at first is I couldn't say anything nice to myself because I hated myself that bad. But when I take my current adult self out of the equation and realize who's coming up for me in that moment, when I'm, that I'm shaming, that I'm talking shit to is actually the little version of me, like maybe nine or eight years old. I can talk to me a little different because it's a child, even though it's me as a child, it's still, that's what's within, within, within us. So I find it in the past, I found it easier to speak to them in a nice way. You know, what do they need to hear and what do they need to hear?
1: Nice. I like that. And I like, um. how would you speak to your very best friend?
0: Right. Yeah. Or your niece or nephew or your yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, that's the foundation, right? Isn't that the first step? Can you think of anything that, that, um, that's required because self-love, it has to be, I mean, that's, that's the real focus is not how, how can I get others to love me? Right. How can I just love myself unconditionally?
0: Right. Cause we can never get everybody to love us. No possible. We just set yourself up for failure there. <laughs> yeah. I would say the first step is awareness recognizing and catching yourself in the moment, like you said, and then mm-hmm. redirecting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's very important. And then you don't to- tolerate others speaking poorly to you.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. When I first started that, the awareness piece and catching myself, I would catch myself and then the goal was to say something nice about myself. But like I said, I couldn't back then I would, I didn't think anything nice. So how could I say something nice? So I would just think about a Seinfeld episode, something that made me smile instead, mm-hmm. you know, cause we're creating new pathways. So by catching yourself, you're creating a new, well, and then replacing the thought it doesn't necessarily have to be something nice about yourself. If you're not there yet, you could think about, mm-hmm. you know, these pretzels are making me thirsty. I always say that (laughs) that episode gets me every time or like ass man. Like (laughs) at the time I was watching, I'd go to bed, watching TV. It was 11 at 11 o'clock. They had a different sitcom on and that time period. It was always Seinfeld. So I knew every episode like the back of my hand.
1: That's funny.
0: Seinfeld. Yeah. So much has happened there with Seinfeld and Kramer and (laughs) it's a whole other story. (laughs) Good lord, um, so are you like out and about, like out now, now that you? And how does that go? Does your is your family accepting of who you are now that you um, I you know you're a lesbian, you're out, you're doing your thing.
1: You know i I will answer this, and I also have to say I couldn't care less. Right, (laughs) right, like if they have a right. I mean, if they, if someone had, if some first cousin down the road doesn't know or finds out or you know because i don't i'm really not close with my blood relatives um that's their problem i couldn't care less i'm not i'm not that pleased with their lifestyle either. right I, yeah i don't need them to um like me or my journey um i i didn't have like a big coming out party it's funny i guess because the older you get the the less people really care they don't care my friends love me they're my whole homemade family they love me no matter who or what I date right so no one was ever no one was it was no big party or celebration everyone was just like oh yeah cool so I think I was bigger deal in my head because I remember explaining myself and my journey and they're just like Okay, cool. What's for lunch? You know, no one really cares. They, they love me just the way I am. They don't care who I date.
0: I think it's important to note that I had the same experience 22 years ago when I was 18 years old. Such a big deal. Everyone I told, I'm like sweating. I'm like freaking out. I tell, have a big <laughs> long explanation and they're like, and yeah. one of them's like, I'm bi. The other one's like, who cares? I'm like, and this was in the year 2001, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, whether you're, you know, come out at 40 something or 18, it's like I'm mean, I know everybody's not as lucky as we were, but really like
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I would um I think that uh the people who are afraid, you know, they really fear losing their loved ones. And I think that's what they have to work on, right? Loving themselves enough where if their loved one choose to chooses to walk away, it doesn't need a lot to do with them It has a lot to do with their, that loved one and their accept lack thereof or their rigidity or whatever they're hiding. Right. I think we, you know, we over personal that we will ruin lives by living our true life. And it really, at the end of the day, if people walk away and they only loved you because you were straight,
0: bye. Right. See ya.
1: <laughs> see, see ya.
0: I had a mentor in the past that used to say, what upsets me is about me. And so, you know, I would always think, yeah, if, if somebody's upset that you're gay, what is this saying about them? You know, these pastors like screaming on TikTok about how we need to, you know, be killed and shot. And I'm like, it says a lot about you, man. <laughs> what do you mean? Really
1: it does. I don't take it personally at all. <laughs> Absolutely. What would you do that you haven't come to terms with?
0: Right. What are you projecting right. onto us right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I can't believe it's still going on in 2023 and females losing their rights. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on that I never thought would happen in my
0: lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't been talking with people recently and they're like, I just feel like, we're, we're going backwards and, and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, yes. And I remember being 21 years old on the Cambridge, Massachusetts courthouse steps at midnight. And it was like May something when the first couple got married behind me was Reverend Phelps and the Baptist uh, Westboro Baptist church with their signs. God hates bags. You know, it was literally the same shit. Kind of um, sure. We were getting new rights, but People were people. It's just an ebb and flow of, and so how are we gonna handle this in the moment? Um, you know, I yeah. I I had a video of that, which I need to find. I had this big camcorder I used to bring. everywhere This was before I had a next house Oh seat. yeah. Couldn't record video <laughs> on your phone. Like, you know, like yeah. Yeah, a, handy cam. a handy cam. It was <laughs> funny. Yeah,
1: that hasn't changed, has it? It's still there. There's still um anti-gay there's an abundance yeah it seems to be pretty black and white um i just have to you know we just keep pushing forward and it isn't our job to make them okay with us no
0: yeah it's not and i will say this when i was there during that time and we didn't have rights i couldn't marry my person at the time but really in my day-to-day life not much was different we still had the same people who were going to hate us hate us anyways Mm -hmm. regardless of what the laws are and the ones that are going to love you are going to love you anyways and sure, we might lose you know major things like your right to get married and stuff like that um but we just were resilient and went with how it was you know
1: yeah yeah. That's what you do to just keep being true to yourself and showing up for yourself. And it's everywhere. You know, I live in a blue bubble up here in, in New York. And even with that in mind, I was finishing, it was about a year ago. I was um, at the end of a date and kissing her goodnight at the subway, you know, entrance. Mm-hmm. And I was pointing, you know, away from the guy, but a, a an older man walked behind us and I heard him say, I, di- I didn't think he was talking to us. Uh, imagine that's disgusting. Imagine what your grandparents would think about you. And she said, he was talking to us. And I was like, really? We just got shamed in Manhattan for being gay? Like mm-hmm. it just, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah. less here than most places, but, but nonetheless, they come out and they still see you and have something negative to say. Obviously mm-hmm. it didn't bother me, but I could see how that, you know could hurt someone's feelings, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing that I noticed um, because now, you know, hanging out with people who are younger in the sense of like when they grew up, things were a little different than when I did. um, It took me a minute to like, even be okay like holding hands in public and stuff like that. Because when I was at that prime age, like 18, 19, 20, 21, we would get like really harassed and I had friends that were beat up you know we had our we could have our own night like lesbian night and then we'd get out at same time as straight bars are getting out and everyone's piled in the street and that was a time where you had to like look over your shoulder because people were gonna say something and not it wasn't like in a good way ever
1: no and they were underground right it was it was more they were the Gay bars were hidden back then too. Oh. You had to like walk down and go through a secret
0: entrance. Well, this was like, we had to walk up. Like it was always, yes, either underground or you had to like go up all these flights of stairs or like mm-hmm. take the elevator to the top floor, which so not safe. Like what if there was a fire? I remember this one place. Right. We It was at the top of a um, of a hotel and you had to take an elevator to get up. It was like 20 floors or something like that and yeah. i'm just like what if there's a was a fire like we wouldn't be able to get out this is nuts yeah, yeah. It's scary just,
1: not a lot has changed there i guess i mean there's obviously what you what you see happen in these um queer nightclubs is quite um scary and just there's no rhyme or reason to it
0: yeah that's why i love although i live in florida st pete is huge just amazing space and our clubs are mixed in with the other clubs and they're not hidden and um I mean I feel comfortable walking into any bar you know decked out in rainbows I wouldn't it's not necessarily my style but I would if it you know I don't feel like I'm gonna get hurt or something like that (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah I feel pretty safe too I make sure I have a little rainbow on somewhere I'm always representing Yeah, well, you got,
0: and now I think about it just because we got to let some people know like, hey, don't worry, I got you. Like, if you're out and about, like for me, I look like this. They might already assume, but you, you know, you look like I need the rainbow. Yeah, you look straight presenting, I guess. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I hear that. that. Yeah, I hear I'm straight presenting. (laughs) <laughs> that's why I chopped my hair off it was long and I kept getting hit on by men so I was like maybe if I do like a, a queer bob or something
0: <laughs> yeah I was gonna say for those because they can't see us but I chop her hair off it's to her shoulders <laughs>
1: yeah a little shorter.
0: even it's when my hair bobbed. was to my shoulders um this is one of the things I noticed I would be super uncomfortable a lot because guys would hit on me and they'd know I was gay and they'd be like oh well, you just haven't had me yet, you know as soon oh, as yeah, I cut yeah, my hair so cool all that went out the window and now they're like my bro wanted to talk about girls I mean I don't know that I like that either but <laughs> I like it better than being hit on I'll tell you that
1: yeah I bet
0: that's funny yeah I'm like at least they're attempting to like relate in some way I guess yeah
1: <laughs> at least they're not down bashing or being scary like some guys instead kind of they're energy. just
0: being um misogynistic towards women but at least they're like right? not homophobic
1: <laughs> i wonder if they're the only one that thinks that they that they actually say to a lesbian oh you haven't had me yet how many times have we heard this me
0: nobody said that to
1: you right like no of course yeah oh. they, i but th- i think that they think it's an original
0: I know. It's or like
1: say it as if it's, it's, it's they, they came up with it. <laughs>
0: it's like, get creative, bro. I might give you a more of a conversation. <laughs> no, every I think I used to say that too, like, oh, I never heard that before. You know, like I think that used to be like That's part. Of That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, That's all funny. right. So I'm gonna take you over to the after dark in a minute, but this is a question I like to ask people towards the end. Um mm. when you think of your child so when I think of my childhood self I, and and when I ask others what's the age that comes to mind to you? Like a certain age comes to mind when I'm like, Oh, childhood me. Oh, nine. Is there a certain age that comes up immediately? Yeah, I think um, I'm thinking 14. Okay. So 14. And so your wise adult self. Now, if you could go back and talk to 14 year old Sandy and not necessarily say, Hey, don't go through this door, go through this door, but like, just give some advice that you needed to hear back then. Um, what would you say to her?
1: Well, I'd let her know the internet's coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, definitely to, um, oh man, definitely learn to love yourself, the importance of that and that things are going to be okay, even though it, it may look dark. You will be heard. Um, I just reassure her that um, she was she's lovable. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think all of our childhood selves probably need to hear that. Yeah, you are loved. Okay. Well, Sandy Strader. I'm taking you to the after dark. I know you're scared. I'm scared, <laughs> but I'm going. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to say to the to listeners? You know, a lot of them are, you know, lilies or later in life. And um, you know, anything that you'd like to share with them before we go over.
1: Oh man. Um just keep getting clear on on what you want for yourself. What are your what are your hurdles? What's getting in the way? What's the difference between you today and who you want to be, the version of yourself that you want to be. And then what are some tiny actionable steps you can take to work in that direction?
0: Mm. And you're lovable. Yeah. Just as you are. That's right. Just as you are. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. I appreciate it. And thank uh, you, Jamie. It's nice to hang out with you. Yeah. After dark it is. All right. That was Sandy Strader. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. What a beautiful human being. I'm so grateful to the internet and the interwebs (laughs) for connecting us. Um, I really do love it. And I love uh, connecting with all of you as well. So if you want to follow along with Sandy, um, I will share how to follow along with her in the notes of this show, in the uh, episode notes. Um, And at the beginning, I talked about joining us on our next trip. We are headed to Tulum in October, so I will put... The link to that as well so you can check it out. We're going to do some really fun things. Basically though, it's going to be um, exploring the world, traveling and connecting with like-minded individuals, people who are really just holding themselves to a higher standard, um, a high vibration, and uh, getting to you know do some cool stuff, right? We're going to have a taco tasting. We're going to explore the ruins in Tulum. We're going to, um, like there's a five-course meal that we're doing, a culinary experience with tequila tasting and wine tasting. Um, we're going to get to explore the, I think it's called cenotes, it's the caves um, where you can dive in and and just a bunch of cool stuff, but getting to do that with a bunch of people. And by the way, on our last trip, most people came alone. They didn't know anyone else. And by the end, they left with a whole group of new amazing friends. So um, if you're interested in that, check the link and um, I'll be back here again soon. I have some really amazing guests lined up for the next couple months and I can't wait to share with all of you. So have a great day and I'll tell you soon.